Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We're excited that you're here. It is cool at the pool day. Some of you got the memo. Some of you just opted not to do it. Okay, I understand. But again, it's just our way of having fun because today is National Ice Cream Day. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit in a moment. But let me welcome those who are joining us online, Facebook.live, listening and watching from around the world, nation to nation. I, I need to come up with a good slogan there, you know. Again, we, and we're so thankful that you're joining us. And let me just say this. If you're watching us online, share this from, your, from our Facebook page to yours, uh, whether it's today or maybe later today or in the, during the week. Uh, where other people will be exposed to the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, like I said, today is National Ice Cream Day, but what we initially did is we asked you guys uh, to kind of participate with us and to wear something that you would kind of wear to the pool, whether that's a hat, sunglasses, flip-flops, shorts, uh, those those kind of things. Some of the people in the first service wore goggles, got, you know, like good diving goggles. Had they had on ponchos and that kind of thing. It's really cool. We're gonna we're gonna have some more of these things between now and the end of summer. September twenty first, I think, is the end of summer. So we got lots of things to do and lots of things we want you to participate in. So don't be a Scrooge, okay? Actually, just do something. You don't have to go all out. Again, we ask people not to wear bathing suits, and you guys did really, really, really good. So again, we were kind of afraid. But even though we're crossroads, we kind of push the envelope on some things sometimes. But we said, hey, let's keep it family friendly. But again, it's cool at the pool day. Now, this afternoon is Scoopalicious. It happens at the Jimmy Floyd Center, 5.30 p.m. And what we've been asking you to do over the last several weeks and what you've done in past years is you have made your very best, most creative flavor of homemade ice cream. And then you bring that and you enter that in and we have a judge or a panel of judges who are not from here who will sample every ice cream and they will come up with what they think is the best homemade ice cream at Crossroads. So again, let me say this, if you're making ice cream, which we encourage you to do, I know it's expensive, take it out of your tithe, okay, if that's what you need to do. But, any, but, any, but anyway, make it, get it there at 5.30 because the judging will happen promptly at 5.30. If you're making ice cream, be there at 5.30. Not only that, bring something to serve your ice cream with, a spoon, a spatula, whatever the best way. I know, a spatula, you know some of it's real thick, however you want to do it. Uh, bring that with you, a scoop, an ice cream scoop, whatever, whatever works for you. But again, and get creative. Uh, you may think it's just, you know, blueberry or it's strawberry. Come up with some really cool name, and, and we'll have a little card we'll ask you to fill out, and you'll put it down in front of your ice cream, and everybody will get to sample it. And all of us will be like lactose intolerant, and this thing, I mean, we, and we'll go home, but we'll be like, oh gosh, but it is so, so good. Now, again, let me say, if you can't make ice cream, we know everybody can't, bring a pie, a cake, some cookies. We'll have drinks, bowls, napkins, spoons, all the things uh, that you'll need to participate and to consume. But just bring something. And let me just say this. If you're maybe like financially strapped and you just can't do anything, that's okay. The pool is free. The food is free. Just show up. I mean, that, that's it. So, again, it's National Ice Cream Day, and we're going to celebrate it this afternoon. Bring your swimsuit. Bring your towels. I think Jimmy Floyd's a little funny on floats and stuff, what you can and cannot bring. So, you know, you can bring it, but you may have to put it back in the car because there's some things they don't allow. I should have known that, but I don't really know what that is. But bring it with you, and if we can't do it, you can just put it back in the car. But make sure you bring your swimsuit and a towel. Invite your family. Invite your friends. It's always funny to me. On this day, which is National Ice Cream Day, we're kind of getting to the end of summer break. It's not the end of summer, but summer break, and school's getting ready to go back. Everybody's on vacation. Nobody shows up at church on Sunday morning. And there's a crowd for Scoopalicious. You know what I'm saying? It just amazes me. Happens every year, and I hope that's the case today. Let me say this. It's a rain or shine event, so if it rains, we'll go to the pool inside. If it thunders and lightning, then we may not be able to swim at all, but that's not in the weather forecast right now, so let's just hope that that doesn't happen. But again, I'm hoping we're going to have a great day and a great time outside. Let me remind you that Wednesday, uh, right here in the auditorium, is our call to prayer, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, if you have time and an opportunity, I would strongly encourage you. The building is open. The auditorium is open. The lights are low. The air is on. 
There's some worship music playing, and we just encourage you to come and to bring your needs uh, to God in prayer. You can sit in the seats. You can get at the, or kneel at the foot of these steps. You can stand uh, front, back, wherever you, whatever's comfortable for you. You can stay five minutes. You can stay 30 minutes. You can stay the whole two hours. It's just a very worshipful environment for you to bring your needs, and not just your needs, but to pray for the needs of our country, our community, our leaders, our government, our city, our church, and your family. So again, I strongly encourage you, join us some Wednesday, every Wednesday if you can, for our call to prayer. It happens from 4 to 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. The other thing I would tell you is Sunday, September, uh, July, September, my gosh, July the 30th is our Baptism Sunday. And if you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you're ready to take the next step, again, it's one of those transitional times. I get it. I understand it. Lots going on in July. But if you want to participate in Baptism Sunday, we can do that at either 8.30 or 10. You simply need to indicate to us that you want to take that next step. Uh, you'll see the instructions in the worship guide. Uh, you can write your name down on a tear-off, get that into the uh, offering bucket when you leave. You can hand it to me, or you can follow the instructions there. You can email Lori Dub, and she will take care of you, get you all set up for either the 8.30 service or the 10, service, 10 o'clock service on Sunday, September the 30th. Let, huh? July the 30th. Why am I saying? Because summer ends in September. I, I should have never said that. You know, that's it. So I love people that will correct me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not above correction and reproach. You know what I'm saying? So just, just holler it out, okay? Well, if you holler it out, you better be ready. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so the next thing is this. Two weeks ago, I brought up to you guys that we had upgraded the soundboard and... Uh, you know, that, let me just kind of give you the history there. We ordered a new soundboard because we knew the old one, which was here since the beginning of time, Crossroads time, it was like 17 years old, and we needed to replace it because it was starting to go out. You probably didn't notice it, but there were things that we would notice because we mess with that thing every week. Well, we ordered one during the pandemic, and of course, it was backordered with supply chain issues. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and finally part of it came in, and we didn't have the money to pay for it anyway, but I knew the company that we were, you know, doing business with, and they said, we'll get it, we'll, we'll deal with that later. So we ordered it, part of it came in, the other part didn't come in, then the other part came in, and they said, we need to get this installed, and I said, well, we don't have the money, and they said, that's fine, we don't worry about you, you, you know, you've done business with us before, and we'll just put it in, you can pay us later. Well, you know how that kind of works. I mean, it, that's all fine and good on the front end, but eventually they needed their money. So they needed their money, and we didn't have the money. And so, uh, again, COVID's just, I mean, it's been tough. I mean, it's been tough on everybody. And like I told you at the beginning of summer, I knew people this year because of the last couple of summers have kind of stayed around the house and worked on the house and spent time at home. They were going to go everywhere this summer because they could. So they did. And, again, that didn't help us financially. But we had, we had to get this thing paid for. So I went and signed a note at First Freedom Bank. You can talk to John Bradshaw. He will verify that I signed the note. And the note was about $35,000. I know some of you go, oh, you have no idea. There are $200,000 worth of lights hanging up here. So that's, let me just tell you, it costs a lot more to do this than what you think. Anyway, we, 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 we paid for the system. And I told you about it two weeks ago. And uh, it, it was just really encouraging that, that some of you gave up and above your normal giving. And to that, I say, thank you. And we were able to set aside about 14% of that $35,000 so that we, when we get the rest, we can go ahead and pay that off. So I'm just telling you this morning that we paid, uh, we have, we've paid on it, but we're about 14% less than the $35,000. So we're probably around 30, 28, 29, somewhere around there. And, and again, we're still going to be you know, saying, hey, help us out. So if you can give up and above your normal giving, and if you want to hear me quit talking about it, give up and above your normal giving, uh, and, and I'll quit talking about it, okay? But again, uh, my name is on the line, and I know some of you don't care. Uh, but you would have cared if you'd have come in here and you couldn't hear anything. So nevertheless, this is where we are. 
Uh, if you've helped us, I am so grateful for the for, so grateful to you. And if you will help us, I will be so grateful to you. And God will be glorified, and people will come to know Jesus, and it will be all because of you and the sacrifice that you have made. So indicate that on your check. If you're giving towards that, get an envelope out at the information kiosk. Write it on that if that's where you want to designate that to go. And if you give online or at the giving kiosk, you can make a little note there that, hey, I want to designate you know, this money to go towards the soundboard. I don't know whether I told you this. The very first week I mentioned this, Somebody who watches us online, who does not even go here, who I did not even know, was the first person to help pay for the soundboard. Isn't that cool? I mean, I mean, somebody we don't even know. And, and again, it wasn't a big amount, but it was an amount, and it was a start. And so I was so encouraged. So again, uh, help us knock that out as soon as you can, and we will be as... Uh, one of the people from Toy Story said, we will be eternally grateful. It was those little green guys, wasn't it? We will be eternally grateful. So anyway, uh, I have to really come clean with you this morning because I had been working on a couple of other message that was messages that were kind of connected to uh, the last two weeks. Uh, and again, I kind of had them already done, and, and, and it would have been a lot easier for me. But I just seemed like there was something pulling me in a different direction. And if you were here the last couple of weeks, or if you watched us online, or joined us online, or listened online, then you know that over the last couple of weeks that we've been looking at a couple of the parables of Jesus. And the, the thing that's interesting to me about parables is that Jesus would use a parable when he had an encounter with somebody, or when he, when he was in a specific situation or circumstance, and, and he was trying to, to impart truth or to open the eyes of the person or the people that he was talking to. And, I, and let me tell you, I love teaching the parables. I love more teaching the encounters that Jesus had with people. And, and the thing that I want you to know this morning before we dive into where we're going this morning is that parables are important. Because to me, parables help us understand. And when Jesus tells a parable, they actually accomplish a couple of things. One of those, uh, both of these I said last week, but I want to show those to you so that you see it on the screen this morning. Here's the very first thing. Parables give us a clear picture of the heart and the intentions of God. When Jesus tells a parable, it gives you insight into the very heart and the very intentions of our God. That's the very first thing a parable does. The second thing a parable does is this. A parable also challenges us to look into the hidden aspects of our own lives. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because it causes us to ask questions and honestly, the questions we're asking, we already know the answers. We just don't want to hear the answers. So even though I have those messages already kind of done, I'm going to go a different direction this morning and for the next five or six weeks. But I will come back to those at some point. After last weekend, I had this real itching to get back into a series because we really haven't been in a series since May. So I, so I was really kind of wanting to dive back into a series. And I thought, what, what can I do and how can I start something? Because a lot of people are not here in July and August. People kind of come back in September and kind of get back in the church thing. You know, they're here hitting this during the summer. And I thought, well, I want to do something, but I want to kind of give you a little say-so in what I'm going to be talking about. So this past week on social media... I gave you an opportunity to have influence on the next several weeks. And I did that by putting a question on Facebook and on Instagram because I wanted you to have say-so and I wanted you to help build the foundation for the series. And the foundation was going to be formed out of your real-life experiences. So I said, I'm going to come up with a question, and I'm going to let you answer the question. And that's what I posted up. 
And here's the question. What is a lie that you bought into somewhere in your life? Last week, last year, 10 years ago when you were a teenager? What is a lie that you bought into and somehow that lie has impacted your life? And I just threw it out there. And I just ask you guys to answer the question. I mean, think about it. We're going to leave it up there. What lie did you hear, believe, and practice? And that lie in some way has impacted your life. Every one of you here, every one of you listening, watching online, you all had the same opportunity to answer that question that you see on the screen behind me. I want to give you the very first submission in the answer to that question. What is the lie that you bought into and that lie has impacted your life? Here was the very first submission that Joe Biden had a record number of votes in the 2020 election. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, only crossroads, you know what I'm saying? Now, look, don't let your behind get all tight because, I mean, I don't care who you voted for. I just thought it was hilarious. I just could not not tell you because this is our church. I mean, someone was going to submit. I should have known that somebody was going to submit something like that. And it's okay to laugh because we all need to laugh a little bit, right? I, I mean, am I right? But honestly, here's the thing. You guys have submitted some really good lies. <laughs> I mean, how many other preachers in town are asking you to tell him some lies so he can use them in his message? I don't think there's anybody in town who's asking you, hey, would you send me a lie so that I I can actually use that in my message? No, no, I don't think anybody's going to do that. But here's what I'm going to do. During the next five weeks, I'm going to cover five lies that you bought into, that you submitted to me. And those five lies, I'll probably actually cover more than five, but it'll probably take five weeks. But those five lies are lies that you gave me, and you have willfully admitted in writing that those lies have impacted your life. Because, see, that's the reality of life. Every person in this room, as well as those watching online and those listening online, somewhere along the way, we've all bought into a lie. And if the truth is really told, it did not impact our life in the way that we thought it was. Many times the lie impacted our life in just the opposite way of what we thought it was going to. So this morning, I want to start these five weeks with knowing that if we're going to live our lives the way that God designed us to live our lives, we've got to understand that there's a battle. And, and, and hear me right now. I'm going to come back to this battle at the very end. But let me start at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Here's what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said that you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows 
that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So the woman was convinced. And she saw that the tree in the middle of the garden, she saw that the tree was beautiful and that the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that that fruit would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now think about this. When the evil one, Satan, wanted to distract Adam and Eve, what did he, I mean, what did he do? See, see, when I think about this, I think he could have done a number of things. I mean, he could have come to them and he could have hit them with a stick. But instead, he hits them with an idea. And the idea was, God's not being honest with you. The idea was... God is holding out on you. He could have got at them so many different ways, but he gets at Adam and Eve simply by planting an idea. Look at John 10, verse 10. It says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Look at John 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So today we're going to get started with this lie that I want to confront at the very beginning of this series. Lie number one. My life can't make a difference. Let me rephrase that. I can't make a difference with my life. That's the way most people believe. I'm a nobody. I, I can't make a difference with my life. And see, while I think there is a desire among all of us in this room and those watching and listening online, we all have this kind of God-given desire to make a difference with our life. I believe that the overwhelming majority of us have given up on that idea of making a difference with the life that God has given us. Because I think most of us have started to believe that making a difference, that, that changing things out, in, out here in this world, it's, it's reserved for certain people, a handful. It's reserved for those people who have a big platform or lots of money or some kind of position that's at the top of the ladder. We look at those, that small group of people, those people with money, platforms, influence, and we think, those are the people who can make a difference. I can't make a difference with my life. And can I just be honest with you? I think this is the lie that is keeping the power of the church at bay. Because we, be look, 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 we believe that we can't make a difference. Making a difference is reserved for that church or that denomination or those people. Look at Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
See, the mistake that many of us are making right now is we're sitting on the sidelines thinking that the difference makers are other people. We're thinking that we're just going to sit over here because the difference makers, that those positions are reserved for others. We think it's the people with the platform, the people with money, the, the, the influencer. Those are the people who can make a difference with their lives. So as I start to dismantle that lie that my life can't make a difference, I'm going to do that by highlighting three things that I think will help you as we look to dismantle this lie that many of us have bought into. And here's the very first thing I think you have to understand. It's don't wait. Don't wait for an audience. I mean, think about that for a second. It may sound like the craziest statement that you've ever heard, but here's what you've got to understand. There has never been anybody out there who changed the world by waiting for an audience to come around them. They just got started. They just jumped in and they just started. But some of you are sitting on the sidelines doing exactly what that says don't do. You're waiting for an audience to come around you. And I'm going to tell you what I think is make that worse. It's social media. As people are all about likes and comments and followers. About people noticing them. And then they'll do something. But you simply can't do that. Don't wait for an audience to make a difference. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Don't wait to be asked. Do you want to know how difference makers live? They don't ask permission. Difference makers don't wait to be picked. See, I, re I remember as a, as a middle school student, I moved here from Nashville as a middle school student, finished the sixth grade in Nashville, moved up here, started the seventh grade. I went to middle school. We called it junior high back then. I went to junior high, ironically, where the jail is now. You know, I mean, that's where the junior high school was, Lebanon Junior High. And you know, when you move into a new town and a new place and new friends and new people, you're kind of the odd man out. But let me tell you, I was never good at baseball, basketball. I was okay, but I wasn't good. So whenever we went out on the playground for a recess and there was a pickup game of basketball or softball or kickball, I was one of the last guys to always get picked. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you, it, it, it's humiliating to be one of the last three or four people because it's like nobody wants you. But if you're going to make a difference, you can't wait to be asked. Difference makers would rather apologize for too much tenacity than regret having too much timidity. So don't wait to be asked. Here's the third thing. Don't discount the power of love. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw cr the crowds, look at what it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, this is, one of the, this is one of the greatest things in all of Scripture to me. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You see, the life of Jesus was driven by one idea. And that idea was go and love. Go and love. Just go and love. Just go and love. Go out and love. Go out and love. That tells us that Jesus was a man on a mission. 
He was a man on a mission. I mean, think about the lepers. The lepers were people who nobody wanted to touch. But they would come to Jesus, and what would Jesus do? Jesus would touch them. Blind people, lame people, people with handicaps who had been reduced by their society and culture to having to beg because they were so discriminated against. They would come to Jesus and Jesus would heal them. People who didn't have enough money for the doctor or for the medicine. They would come to Jesus to see him. Desperate parents would bring their children to Jesus. The anxious, the depressed, the alone, the afraid. They all had one question. Jesus, do you see me? Do you see me, Jesus? And not only did Jesus see them. You see, over and over, not only did he prove that he saw them and noticed them, but he went out of his way to care for them and to love them. And Matthew goes out of his way to tell us that when Jesus saw the crowd, what did he say? Matthew said, when Jesus saw a crowd... He had compassion on them. There was no judgment. There was no disdain. There was no superiority. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He looked into the crowd and he said, oh, there's an orphan. Look, there's a a woman who's been forced into prostitution. Look, there's a Roman soldier that nobody likes. There's a widow in that crowd that nobody notices. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, we need workers. We don't need CEOs. We don't need celebrities. We don't need social media influencers. We don't need them. We don't need spectators or experts or consumers. Jesus said, we need workers. Because what do workers do? They work. They listen and they notice and they love and they care and they raise awareness. They work. Workers work. Jesus said, we need workers. Proverbs 31, verse 9. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Isaiah 1, verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Psalm 82. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. I think there is no shadow of a doubt in our world today. That there are those who are afflicted and oppressed and in need of justice. I mean, think about it right now. Millions of men, women, and children are trapped in a form of modern-day slavery all around our world. And they need our voice. They're in need of you and me to open my mouth. They're in need of us to speak up on their behalf. See, here's the thing. And again, I don't think many of you walked in here expecting to hear this this morning. Slavery still exists. We think it's so 1800s that, you know, that's, that's a conspiracy theory. That's, that's crazy. That, that's not even happening. 
But there are more slaves in our world today than there ever have been in the history of humanity. Today, in 161 countries, men, women, and children are forced to work in factories, in brothels, in fields. And it's happening right here in America. As well as all across the world. And you say, well, Randy, what what is it? What is slavery? And simply defined... Slavery occurs when one person completely controls another person. Either using violence or the threat of violence to maintain that control. And then that person exploits the other person economically. Pays them nothing. And that person simply can't walk away. I mean, think about it. It's heartbreaking. It's shocking. It's unbelievable to us in Lebanon, Tennessee, that the buying and selling of other human beings still exists. We can't even believe that this is something that's actually happening in our lifetime. But see, here's the thing, Crossroads. We have an opportunity to shine a light into the darkness. We have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and it's all for the glory of God. What an honor as followers of Jesus Christ to have a part in the greater story of freedom for those held in captivity. Because change is coming, rescue is coming. People are starting to say on social media and in the news outlets that enough is enough when it comes to slavery. Not on my watch, not in my lifetime. Again, when you think about people being held captive by other people, being trafficked by other people, it's it's just so hard for me to comprehend. It's hard for me to believe that we're still dealing with this. As I prepared for today, I started looking at some articles. And again, you you guys have heard me say this. I don't really know what to believe or who to believe anymore. But I started going down some rabbit holes and looking at what I thought were some reputable sources and some reputable, reputable writers and articles on this subject. And it was amazing how many articles I saw in print and online that are right now, this past week, dealing with the idea of human trafficking in our world. And more importantly, in our country. As a matter of fact, I don't know whether you saw this, but a girl by the name of Carly Russell in Hoover, Alabama, two days ago, was going down the interstate, the very interstate that you used to go to Florida. And she said she saw a toddler on the side of the road. She pulled her car over, and she had her family on the phone looking for this toddler that was on the side of the road. She got out of her car. She was on the phone, and all of a sudden, the phone went dead. They could still hear something, but she was not there, and she disappeared. And they used a child as bait. That's one of the ways that human traffickers use a child to get somebody else, and they nab them up. And she was gone. Luckily, we don't know the circumstances. She was found yesterday. 
We don't know if the pressure and the, the news media was so much that they said this is not worth it. It's calling too much attention to what we've done, so they let her go. I don't know all the story. It, doesn't, it does matter, but it doesn't really. The, the human trafficking thing is going on. But let me tell you where it's most important to me. It's that trafficking is going after our children. And you can sit there and you can watch online and believe, oh, well, he's bought into all this conspiracy. I'm not, I'm not bought into conspiracy theories. It's happening. They're going after our children. And it's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. But it's an issue that's happening in our world. And one of the saddest things is that the target is our children. can I just say this is my belief the enemy is going to do everything he can to go after our children because our children are the future I mean think how the enemy has worked in the past he's always targeted children Pharaoh went after the children Herod went after the children And depending on the source that you research, the number of children silenced before they were ever able to enter the world since 1973 is somewhere between 40 and million, 40 and 50 million children's lives snuffed out. So you tell me that the enemy is not after our children? That's who he's after. There's a movie out right now, a, a, a movie that's called The Sound of Freedom. I haven't seen it. But it's one man's story of how child trafficking is happening in our country right now. And it's not an issue of politics. This is a human issue. And we as the church, we need to stand up and be the voice for those people who have no voice. It goes right back to the lie that we're looking at this morning. You think your life can't make a difference? Your life can make a difference. And this is just one area. I could give you others. But what is more important than the life of other people? What is more important, parents, than the life of our children? See, I look back at a movement that started several years ago. I think Louis Giglio and Shelley started it. It's called the Indian Movement. And many of you know about this movement because this movement still exists today. It was a coalition of people and organizations who came together in the fight for freedom. And this movement asked people to put a red X on their hand. And that red X was just to help raise awareness of human trafficking and modern day enslavement that still exists in our world today. And even until now, this movement still continues. I think if I'm correct, it happens in February of every year. So we have an opportunity next February to stand with other people in our desire to end human trafficking and slavery in our country and in the world. So let me tell you, Carlos, we can't buy into that lie. We can't buy into the lie that the enemy has led many of us to believe. That life, that lie that our life does not make a difference. Because you can make a difference by raising your voice for people who have no voice. You can make a difference right here by getting involved and being a voice in the lives of those who are searching and trying and dipping their toes in this thing that you and I know is our faith. Because people come through those doors every Sunday with so much hurt and so much guilt and so much shame. That you and I can be a voice, a voice of reason in a world where they're out there hearing so many other voices that are confusing them.
Do you really want to make a difference? In the month of August, I'm going to do a ministry fair in the lobby. I'm going to show you and give you opportunities where you can plant your life in this church and make a difference in the life of other people. Because let me tell you, Crossroads, God has not brought you here to sit in that seat. God has brought you here to make a difference. Because your life does matter. John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. John 8.32 You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And we need to use our voice as a voice of truth in this world today. Your life can make a difference. Don't buy into the lie that your life can't make a difference because you can make a difference. You are destined to greatness and you are destined to make a difference in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads this morning with me and pray? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for eyes that can see and ears that can hear. And we thank you, God, that you have promised to make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. So, God, for those in this room listening, watching online who have basically settled and bought into the lie that they can't make a difference, that it's reserved for other people, today we rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus Christ. And today we lay, we lay hold of the claim that we are difference makers, that we will not sit on the sidelines, that we will not wait to be picked, that we will go forth in love, and that we will make a difference. That we will take the life that you have given us and that we will plant it in good ground. And we will be, we will be called workers because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Let everyone under the sound of my voice be convicted to the point that they rise up and follow the call and the voice of the Holy Spirit. That they commit to making a difference with their life. And they will not buy into the lie that the enemy has planted. Do something new in our lives, God. Do something new in our church as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus, bring new wine out of me. 